everybody. Welcome to another episode on the Product-Led Podcast. I am super excited for today's topic. We're going to be going into how to go from zero to 2.1 million in a recurring revenue with just how do you manage the team side of things? So Kim Hansen is the CEO of Cake Equity. And so they make it super easy for you to figure out your equity and organize it all throughout the rest of your company. So your employees know how much equity they got, your founder knows, the rest of the team knows, and it makes it super easy. I've signed up for the platform itself and it just is truly easy to use. So I love it. Kim, welcome to the Product Lab Podcast. Thank you so much, Wes. It's, it's an honor to be here. We're very inspired by the product-led growth theory that is out there, and we've used that a lot on our journey. Yeah, so my name is Kim Hansen. I'm a co-founder and CEO at, at Cake, focusing every day on building the best team in the world. And we're here. We wake up every day to help as many startup founders and their teams as we possibly can. We build an online SaaS platform that really helps with these very tricky problems with equity, like trying to understand the contracts, trying to understand how much to give uh, to your team, all of these things are very, very difficult for founders, and we're making kind of one-click solution uh, online platform that makes this super easy. These problems are even harder when you're trying to do cross-border, so giving ownership to your remote teams. And again, we built one-click solutions for that. So yeah, it's an awesome journey, and I think we're doing really well. So very happy about that. Awesome. And so I know your company's been around for about like just over five years now, but what was the initial like catalyst where it was like, you know what? We got to solve this problem and spend five to 10 years of our lives <laughs> focusing on solving this one. So what kind of prompted you to start this? Yeah, first and foremost, we had no idea that equity would be this complicated to host. You know, we yeah. might have <laughs> thoughts on it, but it's really good to be naive sometimes. And it's also that naivety that can go and say, let's tackle this, this problem. And then it grows in your hands. And then you're like, great, it's good to have a really big problem. So it's not just a problem for us. It's a problem for a lot of other people. But Seeing, you know, trying to, in other companies, set up an option pool and seeing how complicated it was, how difficult it was to give ownership to employees, but something that was always inspiring. I was dabbling in the in the crypto space where I saw all this interest for ownership cross-border, and I just felt it was unfair that it's very difficult to get access if, you, if you're not a sophisticated investor, all of these things. So there's a lot of motivation to try and help with this try and help bring better liquidity to the private equity space. So we kind of started out with the, those ideas. But then we saw in Australia that there was no cap table solution and all these founders were struggling with the contracts and how difficult equity was. So it was a no-brainer to kind of start with this and just say, here's a real problem for real users. Let's let's build a better solution for them. So we had felt the pain, myself, me and Jason, and my co-founder. And so we were really motivated to to solve the problem that was completely unsolved in Australia. Awesome. Yeah, even as a founder myself, like I can always relate to that how difficult it is sometimes to like understand, okay, how do you distribute the equity and make it easy? And is usually farthest from true when it comes to like, is this an easy process? So yeah, super excited. You are solving that and making it easy. And I truly believe like a lot of product led companies, whenever like I'm writing my book right now and just analyzing a lot of about pages when <laughs> it comes to like, what is their vision and mission and everything? I truly believe a lot of product that companies all serve with like making things simpler and easier where it's like, you know, phase one is like, okay, we have a software solution for everything. Now we're kind of like phase two where it's like, can we make it easy? That would be great. So <laughs> yes, love that mission. Now, when it comes to how you got started, how you started kind of like building awareness around this product. You mentioned at the beginning of this 
product and like how you kind of sold it and served people. It was more sales service led. So could you touch on just how you got started with that? Because I know some companies that are product led, like they'd start off with like a beta and then they eventually kind of roll it out and like get more users and they still have that product led motion. There's others which are like the sales led transformers. Could you share like the beginning, like maybe first year or two of what that kind of journey looked like of how you got it out into the market? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, sometimes you can sit in a room and just build software, right? And then hope that the, the customers come, right? But that's that's typically not the best way. You, you need to get out there and you need to get in front of users and customers and all of that. And you can do that more and more online. But definitely, you know, we had a super strength with my co-founder who is really good at is really good at, at selling our product and all of that. So he was basically running around all of Australia, finding founders and selling them to them. And, uh, you know, then we get them on the platform. We can actually measure what's working or what's not. So it was very much sales-led in the beginning and service-led. We even set up a, a, a law firm as a sub-part of Cake to really understand all these contracts and figuring out how do we develop this kind of light-touch SaaS platform that manages, that is not a legal advisor, but can actually, you know, provide guidance and all of that for the, for the founders and provide a solution so they, they can do it themselves or with legal advice. So we set up that law firm, which took us on a certain path down the service and like, that's not really what we wanted to do. We wanted to build a big scalable solution. So it was a very painful thing in the beginning to, to do that shift from sales-led, service-led it was working. We were getting, I think, almost 30% growth for multiple months in a row. And we could see, hey, we can build a business here. But it wasn't it wasn't the, the way we wanted to, to go. And we got some advisors in that helps us on that journey as well and started reading the books on parallel growth and, and then doing that shift. And we basically went from 50K a month to like 1.5 to 2K and just like, okay, we're resetting. Let's do this thing. We have some money in the bank. Let's just Go, go for broke. So, so it was tough and, and, you know, it's a long journey to, to get back to that uh, and really get that prior market shit and all of that. So tough journey, but, but yeah, here it's going really, really well now. Definitely. So I want to talk more about that decision because I think like that part is scary. And when you mm. go from like, okay, yeah, we're like, we got a good business, 50K per month. Like this is, this is going somewhere. You're growing 30% month over month for a few months in a row. It feels like the sky's the limit. And then you decide, actually, let's reboot. <laughs> what was it like? What was the thinking there? Like, did you hit the wall where it was like, I'm like, I, I had something similar in my business. I'll share some context. One of my best months in the first year, I remember I was like, financially, this is great. But like everything else in my body, my bones is telling me like, I don't like this job I just created for myself. And so then I was like, okay, let's find something that's more in alignment with like my energy, what I, I love to do. So yeah, I'm curious to <laughs> just unpack that since I love those stories. No, absolutely. And and to add to that, you just being able to make money had been a painful journey. So we were all, we were already yeah. kind of like, we didn't have much money. We were struggling. It was a tough time. So finally, we are starting to make some money and then to go and make the decision. This is actually not the path we want to take, even though the money yeah. is there. I, you yeah. know, I remember we had two, two co-founders at the time. So we were just like, okay, let's just go and talk about this. Like, let's, are we ready to do this? Kind of like a serious conversation. I, I've done a lot of consultancy in my in my past and built a very successful company with that called Impossible, also working in the US and around the world. But I knew that's not what I wanted to do. And all of us were very kind of ambitious and had different experiences bring to the table. So we're like, 
we believed in ourselves that we could do this, but it's going to be painful. And what we actually did was just reduce our salaries. So we would take the the MRR and divide by three, and that would be our salary for for the leaders, yeah. right? So yeah, the rest of the team, their their salaries, but we would just like feel the the, the pain and the desire to grow that. So we could, um, yeah. So we had enough to to get through the the hard times there but and then you know getting to that normal salary was was a huge milestone and a a victory for us Uh, so we were all in like yeah let's do this thing it's go for a broke or it's gonna fall off a cliff but we're gonna try and you know in the end it comes down to are you persistent enough can you keep going do you have the grit then i think you can achieve anything so i'm lucky to have a few brothers that have done this a few steps ahead of me uh, with Cobalt, you probably know Espen and before I'm in Denmark. And all of them, you know, have gone through these tough times where they only had a couple of months left or less to pay salaries and it was game over, but they just kept going. So that persistence, we all had that in, in our blood, our founders. And with that, you can do anything. That's fine. Awesome. Oh, that's a really good background. And so for the other two founders you had on your team, was there any like convincing you had to do as far as like, hey, like this is the the right path because it sounds like to me just like hearing this story like you're super intentional with like hey i've done that consulting thing like i don't want to go down that path again we could clearly make more money but the way was it because like the way you're going to scale that kind of business is very different than i believe what we had in mind for this business at the beginning so like what was the kind of conversations that were going on there to like really pull in and get buy-in for other people. And the reason I'm asking this is because I know there's a lot of people who are in that service-led, sales-led kind of environment right now. And they're thinking like, man, like <laughs> I want to do something different, but I got to convince two other, three other people to, to actually pull the plug on this. Yeah, definitely. I, I think we all came with kind of different uh, ambitions and different experiences where probably, you know, I was the oldest. So once, once you've gone through some, some things and you've been successful, it's easy to not choose that path in a way. You have enough confidence. and But when you haven't tried things, you can also be more open to things. So I, I think for me, I was, I was probably more clear on what I don't want to do and also really strongly believe in the potential of myself and human beings and the team. I'd built other businesses, other startups, but with my left hand in parallel to building consultancy agencies so I had I felt that confidence from the experience that there's different things that I can do. Uh, I think my, my co-founder Jason was like super ambitious and very very optimistic, <laughs> which is yeah. also sometimes really really powerful and a positive energy and a strong belief in himself and and having you know ambitions around building a big tech company in Queensland in, in Palm Beach right right here where you know it's you don't see much of that um, and we're certainly changing the landscape which overlapped a lot with my ambitions also to create an environment around me here because I moved from, from Portugal and, and Denmark and I wanted to be in a in a space of more entrepreneurship and here it's kind of surf and construction tourism that we have around so wanted to have that's almost like a selfish way to just see more entrepreneurship. I believe in that. This is an incredible place to do it. And I think our third uh, co-founder at the time, Johan, he had helped build Nimble, another really successful startup that was backed by investors and and grew really strong and became a big brand. So he he had a lot of experience with that. He was the both CEO and and I think the marketing uh, CMO and that company. So he had confidence in those things and had seen how to how to scale things. So, so jointly, we had really good experience and confidence and, you know, some, some years behind us with, uh, that we could tap into. Okay. Awesome. So 
you made that decision and then you kind of went to like 2000 like per month kind of thing. What was like, did you just have to say no to all those other contracts at that point? And be like, sorry, we can't fulfill that order next month. Like here's a recommended partner or something like how did that like exit <laughs> kind of work? Yeah, I think it was relatively easy because what we were doing and part of our success has been also just building a huge community around us. You could always say part of what we're doing is community led in a way that's because that's just, you know, tapping into the strengths we have in the team of, of being able to go out there and get partners to support us, uh, to put down there as a referral to Cake. And one of the things we've done was, was getting legal friends. So it was relatively easy to kind of say these companies, and now we've learned ourselves with our own little Cake legal company, how, how things work and how to optimize and build our own kind of standard contracts and all of that. And then we could use partners and, um, you know, there wasn't a good solution for, for options in, in Australia. So we kind of defined that solution. And then, you know, we, we got the first kind of operational partners also that would use our contracts that we've developed with, with our legal team. And like that, we could start standardizing and creating a proper standard for, for Australia. And so that we would just shift the customers to these partners and they would get the, the, the legal money, but then we're starting to automate a lot of the, the process with that. So basically the disrupting to some extent, a lot of the, the legal work and, and lawyers. There's always going to be a need for, for lawyers, I think, but a lot of the stuff that are you know standards and stuff shouldn't be done by them. They should be more thinking workers when things go in a, in a weird direction or you need something very complex or very custom. But all the standard stuff that should be automated I believe, you know, equity is like a technology. It needs to be invisible. All the legal contracts, nobody nobody understands them. You get different opinions when you talk with each lawyer, right? So this is something that needs to be kind of hidden there. A bit like when you use Airbnb, there's a signed contract, but you never see the contract. It comes up yeah. if there's a need for that, right? That's the experience we want with equity as well. You should not feel all this complexity at all. Um, and a lot of that is in the, this legal work. So how can we take this 50-page contract and make that into a couple of bullet points or a visual language? That's really the, the journey we are on. So you just get that incredible power of equity and motivation, attract the great, greatest talent, give them ownership, and then provide the liquidity path uh, for that. So that's the yeah. journey we're on. That's what we wanted to do. And it's, you know, the legal and the contracts is one of the biggest parts to disrupt. Yeah, I can definitely relate on that experience. <laughs> I had the funniest experience yesterday, signing a contract for joining a gym for like a week. <laughs> and I kid you not, I had to sign 17 times on this contract. <laughs> and after like the fifth time, I'm like, this is sketching me out. What, what am I signing here? I actually do, should probably read this, but I'm just too lazy right now. It's like, I can cancel this, right? So yeah, absolutely agree with you. Like making that super easy, the best apps, it's like, it is part of that invisible background. And so one of the things that I believe happens in that switch that you made is you developed or decided like, hey, we are developing this capability in the service-led business. We're like, okay, we're going to help people uh, maybe on the advising consulting side. And then you decided actually, maybe we got to develop more of a capability around partnerships and like really kind of offloading that stuff. So could you tell me like what were some of the different capabilities internally that you had to maybe say, you know what, we're no longer going to pursue that one as a business. And yet we're going to really double down and invest in some of these really important capabilities that will help us scale this business. Yeah, I think there's multiple fronts there. There's definitely building that partner network because equity is such a complex thing that 
touches legal, it touches compliance, it, talk, it touches finance. So it's it's a really complex thing, and you can easily, you know, you have to avoid giving advice unless you have a legal degree to do that. So we had to innovate on multiple parts. One of them was having partners, both accountants and lawyers and advisors, that that could help with the contracts or the the different custom solutions that the customers need. We also developed a, a contract engine with with a piece of software, basically that can generate a legal contract on the fly and that's integrated with the cap table. So when you're doing like the, what's interesting with equity is actually the transaction more than who owns what, which is more a static thing. So when you give ownership to someone or and that ownership becomes liquid, that's when real magic happens and that needs to be very easy. So that flow and there's simply, you know, signing of contracts and forth and back and communicating between employees and founders, et cetera. So all of those flows, we build that, kind of simple uh, as a simple experience with a contract engine that could generate these contracts and then integrated with DocuSign so you could have the legal signing of the documents and then trying to find out those like how do we deal with when it's a wet signature that is needed and we're very lucky also that you know the the government and the legal uh, setup makes it more and more digital COVID accelerated that as well to make things digital which which helped us um so we don't have to go and change the, the yeah. legal setup. So, and then the third thing, so there's the technical part, there's the, the strategic part of building a, a network of, of partners around around us that could help us. Also the, the mindset in the company. Well, we need to be knowledge workers that are building this product, this, this engine that we are constantly, every interaction with our customers more than servicing, it's it's really about understanding what do they need so we can build a better product that can scale and that can give them value faster and as much value as possible. So every interaction with a customer ultimately is like an interview where digging into the problems and understanding where's the product falling over or how can we optimize the process. So this mindset shift in the company has been and is a continuous journey at Cake to, to be better and better at, at building this phenomenal product that, that just makes equity invisible and, and a fun and delightful experience. Awesome. And so can you touch on like how your team uh, evolved <clears throat> from when you had like that focus on more of the service-led component to maybe that first year after? And like, what were some of the big changes you made? Yeah, and we also shifted our product from we had to pay by, at sign up to a, a freemium. So, you know, just letting customers kind of pour in and then seeing how, when is the right time to ask for the credit card details and let them pay and really thinking about how do we, how do we kind of create these, uh, the value points, the aha loops and, and create that behavior change, which again, depends a lot on, um, you know, the maturity of the customer, what they know and all of that. And so, um, that shift and figuring out, and I think that's, that's a journey that never ends for us, right? Like as you get, you solve one thing with product that growth or you can really be scaling through the product and not needing to interact with the user directly, which is something we, we measure all the time. We have, we're now targeting 60% self-service in our data. And, you know, we consistently have above that 70%. So, but as you then create more complex products, so we'll release the, a pro package for more later state startups. Um, that in the beginning is more sales led, which then also makes sense because they pay more. That, and we, then we can learn in the process what works, what gives them value, and then automate more and more. Um, so, yeah, we did a lot of things. One of the things we've done was build kind of a Kanban CRM inside HubSpot because to achieve product growth for Cake at least, 
it's very much a cross-functional thing. So it's not like uh, you do PLT and you know, we're all the product and we all need to think like that. So a lot of the communication years back in that first year was we are a global product-led growth company. Uh, until you you get tired of listening to that, and what does that mean, right? All these there was another huge learning for us. Uh, you know, too much jargon, all of that. Product qualified lead doesn't really resonate with the whole team, and so you know, it was much better to say, well, it's a funded startup. So non-funded is not the right. <laughs> so using that language that is very practical and understandable makes it a lot easier uh, for the team. So with the CRM and to make it cross-functional, we build something that you know the product people are looking at, the engineers looking at, the sales people looking at, the customer success team all looking at the same thing and, and communicating. And then that that CRM can kind of detect whether a customer is self-serving or maybe they need a, a salesperson because they're not completely convinced about the the value of the product or they're trying to do things but they get stuck. So they 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 want to achieve something and they're seeing value in it, but they can't um, per- proceed. So they need potentially a customer success uh, person. So this kind of visual thing that we're all cross-functionally looking at really helped us understand better, learn faster, and you know also divide in a good way because it can be difficult when you have salespeople that needs to hit targets. And of course, here's an easy one to get to get there to get the targets, which always stretch goals. But maybe the product could self-serve that customer. Right? You don't want that kind of conflict in the company. So when we're together looking at, well, we want to succeed as a team on self-service and, and product growth while we have sales targets, um, that that is a, a challenge. And, and looking at the same thing and working collaboratively, collaboratively to to see that, well, we just need this to happen. Then they could self-service, and we want to achieve that. Uh, really helped in that process. So we did a lot of things to kind of speak the same language and achieving the same thing, adjusting the OKRs to make it, well, collectively, we want to win on the the self-service uh, and measure that together. Awesome. Yeah, no, I, I love that focus on like, collectively, how do we all win, make this work? And that Kanban visual is definitely like, Kanbans are awesome for that. Exactly. <laughs> and you're pretty on the same page regarding what is the focus also, like what is the success rate of some of the people? Why are they stuck? Why are they there for so long kind of thing? So when you kind of made that switch to focus more on building a product-led business, what did your team look like at that point? If you could kind of break down like what were their roles, how many people were on the team, what did that team look like? Just to give some people a picture of what that would be like. Yeah, I think we were around 15, 20. We had probably two salespeople. And I think in the very beginning, you have one, one CS person, and then we added another customer success team we had our CEO is also a lawyer so that's been an advantage but a very you know kind of startup mindset lawyer so mm-hmm. trying to hack things and not see what's being slowed down by that has to be done the legal way so to speak like we, we have to innovate in the legal space to find that balance where the platform is not giving legal advice but it's guiding and it's you know more and more the founder can make decisions by himself without a hit herself without needing a lawyer but still we don't have the responsibility for for the legal decisions and um, yeah so we were a small team i think my co-founder is also really good at sales so um, we, we probably had yeah at times three three sales people yep. and a partnership head of partnerships as well to really continuously build that community of partners around us so we have 250 partners in Australia alone and building a huge network of partners in the US, 
you know, Techstars, Stanford University, we have incredible partners uh, in the US now. So we've been really good at, at selling to these bigger partners. And that's been a, a huge driver for us. We did build a bit of a silo with the kind of sales team and, and the kind of product and, you know, breaking down those, those uh, silos was, was a challenge and because you once you get caught in this thing of, well, we have to grow each month and how do you kind of break things that are working or how do you, mm-hmm. you need a lot of confidence there and good communication to, well, what do, do people actually do? And then how do you prioritize that? And without doing that radical shift and, and it's, it's the same also, I think continuous challenge where you want to, you want to create that consistent growth and you know, you can do that hands-on, but you need mm-hmm. to kind of productize that but you're stuck in this well let's just get these over the line let's just do these things right so that that is always a balance sometimes moving slower is to move faster because you invest into you take a bit of a loss to then invest in something that is more scalable um, doing that in parallel i think is always a challenge but i think it's it's a great challenge to to have and, and i'm happy with what we've done on that journey definitely so what are like some of the the biggest things you have noticed, like if you were to go back in time and let's say redesign your team again from like day one, what would be some of the changes you would have made knowing what you know now and what is so important to building a product-led business? Yeah, it's it's a good question. And I, I don't think there's one right path, right? Ultimately, it's, okay. it's figuring out how fast can you learn? So everything that you're doing is learning. I think, of course, you're building some things that are scaling, but they're always a stepping stone to something that could be much better. We're always 1% of the way, even though I think we have a great product. <laughs> um, so yeah, we would definitely, it's, it's more breaking down the silos, I think, than, than changing the people. Also, what really transformed Cake was in the last one and a half year, getting a, a, a really good chief product officer in and a really good chief marketing officer in. So my co-founder and I were kind of hacking these roles and doing them ourselves uh, at, a, at a time I was CEO and CTO and CPO <laughs> in one, right? And it's uh, even though I've worked with the engineers for a long time, and you know those those were people from other companies that I worked with that I pulled into to Cake. Um, still getting a really really experienced person into that role accelerated what we could do, and also I guess having experience building new products. So product growth is, there's a lot of theory, but ultimately it's, it's building great products, right? You know, just, you're taking good learnings and, and patterns and, and trying to help people with those, but having that real experience, he was much more capable of, of taking the theory and, and just making it practical and accelerating. The sooner you can get these people in, of course, the better that totally transformed our company. And, and we spend a lot of time trying to take the theory from Reforge, um, you know, of course, using the books to try and, and take that. And in the end, you need to do, I think, a thousand experiments and 10 of them stick, you know, <laughs> but you need to constantly experiment, we need uh, create small experiments, A-B test. In the end, you know, I think a delightful product is an orchestra of a lot of things and composition works really well together. And it's not just one thing. And that's, you know, we built a, a product that worked, but it was so hacked together. And, and he took that product and really shaped it into to something that is a much, much, much better experience. And similar on the kind of go to markets and, and a big learning for all of us is, you know, to, to be successful with something like Cake, it takes a great product, but it also takes a great brand or go-to-market strategy. So getting the Elise, our incredible CMO in, really with all that experience, she brought in her former team members to really 
have the right people with with her and then you know how do we build how do we use the product to to go to market how do we optimize that how do we uh, and similar on the on the customer success team so it's it's department needs to kind of use the product to automate what we're doing and of course technology um, so we actually both build a lot of things that are facing the the user but we're also building things that are just for our, our internal team to automate their processes more and more and i think that's been a big part of just being able to to take two cs people and just keep scaling 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 with continuous growth I love the example from atlassian where they like basically treat like any like support ticket or like customer request like almost like a bug and that's like oh how do we like fix that if it's obviously a recurring one if it's a one-off that's different but like that does allow you to scale because you're solving a lot of these problems that keep popping up again and again and it's like well actually let's make that easier and it does allow you to have that scale so when it comes to like building your team what have been some of the biggest lessons that you have learned that you wish like if you were to teach a masterclass right now <laughs> on how to build a world-class product-led team what would be some of the first kind of like tips or lessons you would share with folks to kind of take away and implement in their own business? Yeah, I definitely say a good starting point is a technical person because everything almost now, especially SaaS solutions, need a technical understanding. And if you don't understand, you're just going to build the wrong things. You're going to spend so much time and you need you need to be able to go to market. So having having sales skills on the team. So those two key skills, I think, are super, super important. The thing after that, I think at least for SaaS platforms, but most products in the world, is to bring in product thinking as early as possible. And, and I think the journey with being a product-led company, you know, shifting late is very, 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 very difficult. We did it relatively early and it was still very, very, very painful. So there's a mindset shift there that's when some things are working, you're scared of letting go of that. So, you know, the earlier you can start with that thinking, and I think that's bringing in product thinking early on. So either that is in the couple of co-founders or or it's something you want to have early. It's difficult before you're a brand and before you're making proper money to attract experienced people that can do this. But, but to get the thinking right, like there's a couple of books that I do think helps to, to create that mindset. The mom test is one of them that is very practical and easy to understand too. So you're not, when you're learning, for example, if you're selling, it's different than when you're really trying to dive into the problems that the customer has. Well, if you're trying to sell something, you might like divert away from going too, into too much details about that. But you really need to understand, you know, what is the key problem here? How big is the problem? Uh, and is what's the awareness around the problem. So the earlier you can have that thinking, the better. And then the more you, you build understanding how to use technology, but moving slow in the sense of deciding what to build. So I think uh, one thing that really helped Cake, I think, and accelerated was to get into Startmate. So even though I think we're already thinking a lot like customer first, they really, really put that more into our DNA just to do lots and lots and lots of interviews. So we're measuring that every day. How many customer interviews are we doing and talking to customers? So I think that should never stop like Jeff Bezos yeah. day zero every day as, as much as we can, every person that Kate can study or communicate and be close to our customers is, is fundamental. And, and then think about they own the problem, but we own the solution kind of mindset. So we're always trying to feel that problem, understand the problem and validate the problem. And then we are the kind of experts at delivering a, a delightful experience for that, where technology is there to just automate and scale things. 
not as a solution first, uh, which we, we often see. We, we've seen that in blockchain space, solution first, <laughs> kind of, yes. and with, like, with AI. <laughs> but uh, you really got to just be careful when you introduce technology and just think product first. What is it? What is it about this customer? How can I hack things together and test? Is this problem big enough? So we don't uh, jump to conclusions there and then the problem is not so big or they're not really aware of it. And it's and it's the challenge is so much bigger to get to something scalable. Definitely. And so what are some of those other things that you found like really helped build the like product that culture that you wanted? Like you mentioned there's some activities like that company that helps you like do a lot more interviews and measuring them on an ongoing basis. But one of the the reason I'm asking this again is like because when it comes to product companies, I've noticed like there's a ton of them where it's like empathy, getting close to the customer, like it's it's so important. It has to really be a part of your DNA and getting everybody on that front. So I'm curious if there's any other big things that you've found have really helped not just you, but the rest of your team kind of understands and get on board with like, hey, let's we're helping the user, we're helping the customer and really getting in tune with what they need. Yeah, I think it's it's a lot of communication on the team. So I mentioned the the kind of CRM Kanban thing we're looking at together. Yeah. But we use Slack a lot to whenever there's customer feedback, it goes straight in there and everybody's kind of getting around that to try and understand what that means. So and if anyone is interviewing, uh, we get the resume in for the rest of the team to read. Yeah, it's really creating that cross-functional, avoiding the the shotgun too much. And of course, then looking at how can we automate with technology? How can we automate what we're doing? So creating efficiency, get that baked into the company. So typically, for example, with the OKRs, we have three big OKRs for three months or six months. And the third one is really around the creating best company in the world. And part of that is, is being very efficient at how we do things. So for example, well, uh, can we, when people are asking questions on intercom, how much can we really design smart bots that can respond to that so they get to to the value of the answer very, very, very fast? Or, you know, whenever we, can we use a video, we use a lot of Bloom to record things fast or even having the customers record the, the problem and, and send to us and it's just much more efficient and it, it breaks down the kind of time barriers as well when you're working cross-border. So using a lot of videos that, you know, it becomes more and more automatic. So I think there's there's a lot of technology actually you can use in a good way. If you're always starting from, well, I'm I'm spending this amount of time on this task every day. Could that be with that mindset? Could that uh, be more efficient? So building that mindset into the company of always looking at what are the things that I keep that are repetitive and take a long time or they're painful to do. And then asking for help, how can I make this more efficient? Is there a way to do that uh, with, with technology or product thinking? And as I said, we built a lot of, of the product is actually for our, our CS team so that they can automate and automate and automate because a lot of the work is dealing with getting these, you know, almost paper contracts into a digital format. And, you know, it's always a combination of what can the user themselves do with our contract engine and what can the CS team do to capture this information and put it into format. So constantly optimize this, getting this into something that where technology can really make that contract work a delightful experience. I think technology is used in the right way is, is fantastic, right? And um, we're seeing, of course, an AI revolution happening, but yes, I think we need to be careful there, but certainly on, on writing copy and a lot of the marketing place, it's it's where we can, we can accelerate, um, where we can cut down time. So... You know, identifying something that takes time and then, great, how can we together uh, reduce that that time and, and create even more value 
in that moment. Um, every interaction with someone or the product or an ad or an event or anything is is a value point and a kind of teaching what the the cake way, which is the modern way, which is not you know all these long lists and contracts and the old school and have to talk with lawyers all the time. But simply, you know, one-click guided solutions using the best practice and standards um, through the platform. So, awesome. I'm talking about data, but I think being and and if I think back, the earlier we could have like a really good data mindset to understand how do we measure everything as as good as possible. The complexity of of data can easily grow like crazy, especially when you're going to new countries and you have multiple packages, products you're selling more complex products and simpler products. So, you know, being able to to slice the data in a good way and understanding, well, here's something that there's an opportunity to, you know, you look at the funnel, where, where is it that we are a leaking bucket when customers are, are signing up and we could optimize there, get the conversion better. So being really, really good at, at data as part of the case strategy also to, to create benchmarks. Uh, now that we have more than 135,000 stakeholders on the platform, uh, employees and investors that are owners, they do a lot of transactions. So there's a lot of value in the data to understand what is the best usage of equity that we can then use not only to, to guide the, the founders and their employees and their decisions. So they're just using the best practices rather than having to figure this out themselves or have to ask for advice. But secondly, also we can pull that data out and use as, as benchmarks data and create that really, really trusted brand around cake um, that makes the, the, the conversion the um, you know the awareness happened the, the the trust in the brand so that customers want to to put their contracts on on cake and start using it to to manage their stakeholders absolutely and so as we kind of wrap up here what would be like the one main thing like if you were to look back and say this one thing if it was like a tip or recommendation for somebody who's listening who wants to kind of replicate what you've done so far of getting this business to multiple kind of seven figures and building that product that business what would be like the one really good piece of advice you were to kind of like boil up everything we talked about today you're like it's this as far as what will help you uh, really make a ton of progress in this journey anything come to mind definitely you know higher slow believe that you can do a lot with a few people and see product growth as a tool for that but make sure it's product growth for your problem and your experience and and so building that efficiency and a great team because you can achieve so much with few people so i think that mindset is so important to have at first even sometimes you might get different messages from the outside because it's a success if you have a big team you know and if you raise a lot of money but ultimately the more value you can create with a small team, the better. The good things with a with a difficult market out there now is that everybody is focusing on uh, capital efficiency and doing more with less. I think, but having that mindset, both in the good times and the bad times, that you can really scale a lot using great product thinking, great technology, product growth thinking, and you know, unleashing the incredible stuff that is the the creativity and the energy in a small group of people. Um, I think that's having that mindset from day one is is crucial and you, you're going to have a much better journey like that. Yeah. And I love that emphasis on like hire slow and like become more efficient in the meantime, because it truly is like if you want to have efficiency and you don't, you have that person ready to go hired for that specific gear, you're going to find a way to get it done 
or it's going to like if it's on someone's plate they might find a way to do it faster because they're like i have all this other stuff and i i need to do that or you might find in the product there's a way to automate it so absolutely 100 agree that i do want to touch on the fact that like a lot of founders have that like kind of I guess, pride and like, oh yeah, we have like this many employees. And I'm like, I do see that changing <laughs> with a lot of product like companies where it's like, well, what's your revenue per employee? Like, what does that look like? You did what with what kind of thing as far as like what you're able to do with such an efficient team. So love that emphasis on the last sentence. Now, where can people find out about you and what you're up to at Cake Equity? Go to our website, cakeequity.com. We have so much educational information about equity delivered in a in a very delightful way. We run lots of events, both in Australia in, and in the US. So those are good to attend. If you're struggling with equity, yeah, please sign up to our platforms, give us feedback. We're here together to, to make it much easier for all founders and their teams to make equity much easier to use. Awesome. And yes, we'll also put a link to your LinkedIn because you post some great stuff there. It's tears. <laughs> there we are. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much, Wes. I love it. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Product Led Podcast. If you found this episode helpful, please share it with a colleague or friends you know who might benefit. We are always looking at which episodes get the most listens so we know which content to create more of. So if you want more of this particular type of content or style of episode, please share it out. And in return, here's your selfish reason to do this. Uh, we will definitely create more content just like this episode. <laughs> and if that's not your style, please leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts and tell us your favorite part about this podcast. I personally read every single one of these reviews and it gives me more ideas on what content we should do more of. Happy growing.